Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Welcome to our relationship night. Every Thursday we focus on relationships. Uh, Tonight we're going to talk about love. What is love? And I want you to finish this sentence for me. Love is blank. So fill that in for me. Uh, Is it a feeling? Is it a verb? Can you just fall out of love? What does it mean to be in love? Are there stages of love? What is the science of love? We're going to figure all that out tonight and, and try and cover that. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. On our relationship night, I will answer relationshipy questions that I've uh, received via email and such. Uh, so the first one, my wife and I have been married for uh, about 10 years, and she still says she needs passionate kissing almost every day. And when we make love, she says she can't get turned on unless we kiss for what seems like ages to me. It's not that I don't like kissing. I do, but I don't need it as much. I don't need as much of it as my wife does. And I sometimes find it a bit tedious. I get a little bored of all the kissing. So kissing, we, I think we talked about kissing uh, the other day. Kissing is a, a sign of affection, right? Uh, it's true that some people are more kissy, if you will. They're more comfortable with kissing than others. And not everybody is on exactly the same page. So maybe you're, you and your wife are not on the same page when it comes to that. Maybe you place different values on kissing and you have different needs for the amount of, uh, of kissing that you, uh, that you both need. What I do know is it's also more common for women to desire kissing uh, more than men. It's a, a way to connect. It's a way uh, to feel uh, close and, and women tend to want that, uh, I think, a bit more. Uh, and the, the research kind of bears that out, that kissing is more important to women uh, than men. Also, when dating, women usually or use the kiss to assess whether uh, they want to continue with a partner or not. Like this is their measure of, okay, am I feeling it? Am I not feeling it? And, um, and for a way to continue the relationship. So, uh, which is a little bit different for men. Men uh, are far more, um, I, I think, that m- more interested in the more advanced kinds of foreplay as the symbol of sexual interest. Uh, but again, you know, I think kissing to me is a, a fundamental expression of intimacy, desire, uh, passion for your uh, romantic partner. So to me, it's quite important. I don't know how it is to you, but uh, I think in relationships it is. And uh, sadly, when I speak to couples in long-term relationships, couples who used to do a lot of smooching um, say that they've uh, they've cut down a lot on their on their kissing activities over the years to the point where sometimes they don't kiss at all, like passionate kissing. I don't mean the the just the friendly pecks on the lips that last seconds, uh, but actual real kissing. And I I just find that kissing is one of those ways to be more intimate with your partner and to really make a connection with your partner. Uh, What makes a good relationship last? Somebody wants to know. So what are the essential 
elements of a uh, of a healthy relationship. So we'll talk about love coming up in the program, okay? Uh, but love is certainly not enough uh, to keep a healthy relationship. It's a, certainly a, a very good start, but also depends on maybe your definition of love. Um, honest communication is important, uh, where you can be. There's friend like friendliness and playfulness with a partner, loyalty in a relationship, having a common goal, having a common purpose. So you have a a feeling of working as a team. And I really think the couples that last, that really last know how to have fun together. They know how to like have new experiences together. They strive for new experiences uh, together. And I also think that a, a healthy relationship is where two people are uh, also independent. In other words, where they have their own set of activities and friends and such so that they are more interesting to each other. It's that distinction, uh, rather than becoming one complete unit and moving through the world as, as one, you're in, uh, intersecting uh, circles together. And that is, uh, I think, a far more stronger predictor of a, a healthy uh, long-term relationship. 514-800, if you have any relationship questions that you uh, want answered or you want to, uh, to discuss, I'd love to hear them from you. Uh, I've been told by past partners that I have trust issues. How do I know for sure? So there are certain signs that show that somebody has uh, trust issues for sure. Uh, somebody who has trouble with intimacy. So trouble having really close relationships, even friendships actually. If their mistrust interferes with a relationship. So if you've noticed a pattern where people break up with you because of your uh, mistrust, especially based on no evidence whatsoever, then you probably have trust issues. If you have a history of uh, kind of uh, relationships that have a lot of drama in them or, or very conflictual or stormy types of relationships. If you are the kind of person that is suspicious, um, just about about people, the people close to you, suspicious or, or, or anxious. Um, if you think that others generally are out to deceive or do not have good intention, like if you view the world, you know, there are some people that are too trusting and then there are others that trust no one. So you want to find a way to be kind of somewhere in between there. If you're having trouble with trust, you would want to speak to a therapist who could help you at least uh, unpack where it comes from, the, the baggage that has led to this feeling of, uh, of mistrust, especially if you notice a pattern in your relationship because mistrust, just with no reason uh, to back it up, no evidence to back that up, can really destroy uh, a relationship. And trust is a, an important cornerstone to a long-term relationship. Coming up, uh, we'll talk about the whole concept of love. Finish this sentence for me. Love is blank. Fill in the blank. 
safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAB 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Let's talk about love. Uh, but before I get into that whole topic, I just want to give a shout out to the wonderful people at uh, Le Cambridge, a retirement residence where I had the pleasure of speaking tonight. A wonderful, wonderful group of individuals who were so funny and so interested in in just hearing about sexuality and aging. So you just, uh, it really warmed my heart and it just again confirmed to me that Sex, love has no expiration date. Uh, all right, a couple of uh, texts here. Dr. Lori, I found that couples that have similar values are more likely to have a longer relationship. You're absolutely right. When you're on the same page on some uh, very uh, uh, crucial or important values in life, that makes a big difference because you're going in the same uh, direction. You're on the same page. Uh, so I asked you, uh, and I'm asking you now, finish this sentence for me in our discussion on love. Uh, love is blank. Fill in the blank. What do you think? Uh, Mark writes in, love is unconditional. Um, see, this concept of unconditional love is fascinating to me because we grow up thinking that our love should be unconditional for our partners. But the only love that is unconditional that really truly exists is from parent to child. Love has to have conditions, but let's look at it in a little bit of an, in a different way. So we can feel, um, our, we can feel a lot of love toward our partner, uh, even though a partner may, uh, behave badly, right? Uh, so we can still feel that love. The feelings may not change even if they're, uh, even if what they do, we do not like. Fine. That's kind of like an unconditional love. But in a relationship, relate the relationship itself is not conditional. I, rather, it is conditional. The relationship is conditional. It requires conditions. Why? Because it requires boundaries and limits and uh, 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 parameters in which to run it smoothly. So imagine if the relationship was completely unconditional, there would be no boundaries there. Uh, you know, it, it would be the belief that, Oh, love is enough to keep us going. Well, love is not enough. We need far more than simply love. So I think you have to m really make a distinction between, um, unconditional love and unconditional relationships. Relationships should not be unconditional. They have conditions. Otherwise you can have a, a, a partner who does all, you know, crosses all kinds of lines and what you, you have to maintain the relationship because of this unconditional unconditionality. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> Hey, Dr. Roy, thanks for the visual of old people having sex. Gross. Why do you say that? This is one of the things we were fighting and we were talking about. And I was talking with the elderly people in the talk is about 
um, ageism. Like that's a very, even though you may be joking, it's still an ageist kind of look at, at, at life, unfortunately, and, and sexuality. Uh, my dog loves me unconditionally, LOL. Love is comfortable. Yes, a comfort. Okay, so love is uh, blank, comfortable. Uh, add, add what you want to, to add as well. What would you say love is? Uh, so comfort, feeling like people have exp- like expressed it as um, being with my partner is like being home, right? It, there's a, a certain comfort uh, about being yourself. Look at the opposite of that. The opposite of comfort would be someone who in a relationship is constantly walking on eggshells, worried about, you know, cracking those eggs, worried, you know, having all that anxiety about uh, triggering their partner or causing some kind of conflict or whatever. That person is not living in that comfort zone. So having that comfort is, I, I do think is also very important. Um, Mark writes, what you say is true. Every male wants a little mom in his partner. Let's be honest. There's nothing like the love of a mother. Uh, very true, but expecting your spouse or your partner to love you like mom loves you is, uh, unrealistic. That's just unrealistic. Let's talk a little bit about the differences between, uh, different different feelings, the feeling of lust, for example, infatuation, and then love, because oftentimes we, we kind of confuse those things, right? Uh, but there is a, there is a different, it's like layers. Think of it as layers of, uh, of intimacy. Lust is the physical layer. When you lust over someone, you want to touch them, you want their physical energy, can feel almost like um, a drug, but it isn't necessarily tied to emotions all that much. All right. Uh, it can also start as one-sided, uh, for sure. Um, so it's some, so we often start relationships, not in love, but in lust, actually it can last and it can evolve, but you need to be two people on the same page for that, uh, for that to happen. So, so the lust part is really the, the physical part. Um, infatuation is, uh, a little bit like, um, a little bit like, uh, there's an investment. It's true. And you have the, the, the physical stuff, but oftentimes it's one-sided. It's when somebody is infatuated with someone else, it's, it's unidirectional in a way. Okay. It's a, it's more about an illusion of love. That's what, it, when we talk about infatuation, so it's a bit more on the, on the, um, fantasy side. Love has all of those elements. It has the physical, the, which is the lust, the infatuation, which is more in the brain, the intellectual part and the love, which is more on the, uh, the, emotional side. So when there's healthy love, there's a balance of all those three things, but it has to be reciprocated. Obviously. I mean, that sounds obvious, but sometimes it's one-sided and that's not real, um, real love. And that's, so love has all of those elements. Now 
psychologists have studied love obviously for a very long time and have come up with uh, many different ways of looking at love, right? And, and many different types of love. Now I've just given you like the, the, the pie chart of, you know, lust, infatuation and love, but there are other types of love that people find themselves in. And I'm going to share those with you. And I'm sure you're going to connect with, you're going to say, aha, that's my type of love, or I'm in that kind of relationship. Uh, so a couple more, uh, more texts, Dr. Lloyd, love is something that you do song title. Uh, okay. That's a good point though. Love is not just a feeling. It is a verb. You are, it's an action, right? So somebody can say, I love you. This is the feeling I have for you. I love you, but they don't show you the love. Is it enough for somebody to say, I love you without the actions that go with it? No. How do you believe somebody when they, that says they love you when their actions don't follow, where they, they don't behave as if uh, they love you, where they don't show respect and they don't show all the other um, elements of a, of a healthy uh, relationship. Another text of love is trust. Can't have one without the other. Not truly. Uh, I agree. Love is, tr- trust is a huge element of, uh, of love. And it's also uh, one of the, you can, Look, people can stay in relationships even without trust, but it's not a good relationship. It's not a healthy relationship. See, if uh, there are trust issues, something needs to be worked on. Uh, Love is like addiction, high heights and low lows. That's true. Relationships uh, over the long haul go up and they go down and they go up and they go down. Uh, You may not always feel completely loving towards your partner, um, but if you can work through all those highs and lows, then that, that gives you points because you become, uh, good at the communication part of it. Um, not what I meant, meant the comfort of love a mom provides. And besides men need to be brought down to earth. We males just cannot be as mature about a relationship as women. There is a little boy in every man. So you want, you want to be comfortable like you are at home in mommy's arms, well, um, that's not all that attractive to tell you the truth. And we could talk about that, especially if a partner sees you in that way. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about the different types of love. From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. On our relationship hour tonight, we're talking about love, the whole concept of love. Is it a feeling? Is it a verb? What does it mean to be in love? Finish the sentence for me. Love is fill in the blank. John joins us on the line. Hi, John. Hey, John. Hi, Lori. Hi, how are you? I'm all right. Good. What say you? I say love is living. Love is living. Okay. Explain. Well... Uh, there are, as I learned in college, there are four different types of love, mm-hmm. as defined by the Greeks. You have narcissus, which is love for yourself. Right. And you cannot love anybody else if you don't love yourself. Okay, and true. Eros, 
which is passionate love. Mm-hmm. Fits right into your domain. Mm-hmm. After that, you have philia, which is a love that is expressed between people sharing the same occupation. And um, the last one is agape, which is unconditional or brotherly love. Mm-hmm. And covering a new name for your Monday night show. Yeah. I would not suggest to stray away from what you already are. Okay. What Monday night show? You, you're talking about, the, you mean the relationship show? The relationship hour? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, this is just our relationship hour, that's all. I think we'll but keep it simple. <laughs> you got to keep it yours, which is passion. Yes, but passion in relationships. Sometimes uh, it's nice to focus on other other elements of a relationship besides sexuality That's as well. Why it's it's alliterative too. You keep it with an extra word, and that word extra word is plus. Plus passion plus passion plus. Okay, that's I, the one. I kind of like that. All right, it's for passion sure. plus. John, thank you so much for sharing your your Greek knowledge with us. But I appreciate uh, I'm of it. Italian descent. Yeah, that's okay. Oh, I love. I, I look. Everything comes from the Greeks, frankly. Uh, much of the psychology and uh, many things do. So uh, I, I'm good with that. Thank you so much. All right. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, yes, I studied that too, actually, in terms of uh, of the Greeks. But modern psychologists have now looked at it, of course, a little incorporating those types of love. Uh, but looking at it in terms of just relationship love, what in in the 80s, there was a psychologist by the name of Robert Sternberg who came up with a theory of love. And he looked at the three components of love and then looked at the different types of love. So think about the components of love. It's commitment, passion, and intimacy. If all three are present, wonderful. Some people can have commitment, no passion, uh, and and, uh, and no intimacy. Some people can have uh, passion, no commitment. Uh, so there's different different uh, components of uh, of love. But what I like in his theory is that he looked at the different um, types of love. So in, in a healthy relationship. Passion, intimacy, and commitment are the ideal components that we should have um, all three of those. But there are other uh, other types of love as well experienced by couples. So I talked about uh, infatuation, right, which is usually what what people look at as love at at first sight, where you you have an intense uh, physical attraction towards them, somebody, uh, you, you're thinking about them all the time. It's that feeling that you get when you're, you know, when you say, Oh, I'm totally in love, like that, that beginning feeling. So at the, right at the beginning of a, of a relationship. And usually if it's just based on like the chemical attraction, the, the physical attraction doesn't generally last more than uh, than a, a few months, even though uh, sometimes, of course, it can evolve into something that includes all the other elements, but sometimes not. Um, what about liking? This is another another type of 
if you want to call it another type of love, which is maybe not so intense as love, but liking somebody. So you may feel closeness or intimacy with someone, a certain closeness, but it lacks the passion and it lacks the, uh, the commitment. So there's a, there's a closeness, but not enough to generate the passion and, and the commitment. It's like your best friend, for example, uh, where you can share all kinds of personal stuff. So a lot of intimacy stuff, but lacking, uh, the passion. There's also another one that's described by this particular psychologist called, um, empty love, uh, which is the only thing that, that there is in this empty love is actually just commitment. There's no passion. There's no intimacy. These are relationships where partners will stay together because of financial reasons only, because of the kids, because of status, because of something else. So there's no physical attraction. They don't share uh, intimate uh, discussions with each other. And it's unfortunate, but many people find themselves in this empty love uh, category with time if they don't work on uh, their relationships, the things that, that kind of draw them apart. So, uh, sometimes when relationships deteriorate, they fall into this, uh, this empty love. Another form of love is called fatuous, uh, love, which consists of passion and commitment. So you've got passion and commitment, but no intimacy, no intimacy, meaning the, the, um, that the closeness, the, the, the ability to share what is going on inside, right? There's, there, there's a lot of stuff in there, but the closeness, the friendship part of it is lacking in the relationship. So something like that, uh, romantic love, another form of love. So this is where people have passion and intimacy, but no uh, commitment. So there's an attraction for each other that people love spending time together. They enjoy each other's company, but they are not prepared for a serious, um, commitment. So these are couples that generally will not get married or maybe, or evolve into that eventually. Companionate love is, uh, intimacy and commitment, like closeness, but no uh, passion. So, uh, these would be what you might call the, the sexless couples or the sexless, uh, marriages. And then of course there's consummate love, which is the, the, where you've really got all three passion, commitment, and intimacy, maybe not all equal, but they're all there. And it's, it's actually not so easy to get to the point where you've got those three things uh, going on, uh, strongly coming up. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, the science of love. What happens to the brain when we fall in love? Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. 
talking about love on tonight's Relationship Hour. Uh, This texter writes, and I love it, are you aware of the concept of love languages? Each person has a specific love language. I found this concept life-changing and provided uh, with an approach insight into how individuals feel love. And it's not just how they feel love, it's how they express love. So the in, in terms of the, there's a great book and maybe we'll do a show on the five languages of love coming up in one of our, one of our segments. Um, but it is life changing because you've got to know that we all express our love differently based on many factors, based on our own history, how love was expressed to us, what we witnessed, uh, and all of that. Some people are very, uh, affectionate, physically affectionate, and this is how they show their love, while others not so much. They don't express it through a physical affection, but more through acts of love or acts of kindness or acts of service, for example. So yes, it's very important to know uh, because you have your idea. So for you, if you're the affectionate kind and your partner isn't, you're then interpreting it through your own lens, thinking, well, my partner doesn't love me because they're not expressing it through uh, affection, or maybe it's through words. Maybe your partner uh, is, e- it's easier for your partner to express their love through their words rather than uh, through affection. So it is important to know uh, with our partners uh, what's what and, and what their language of love is. So thank you for bringing that up. But you know what, this, I'm going to focus on that. I think like a whole show because it, it it is, it can be life changing. And I think it's important. Uh, this texture very eloquently wrote, um, love as generally perceived is an overrated, heavily embellished, over romanticized, idealistic philosophical concept, which is frequently overly used and abused hence often giving rise to disappointments, thereby rendering its true significance meaningless, which essentially and realistically would otherwise simply entail a consistent, constructive, nurturing, and inspirational congruence between one's thoughts, feelings, and actions, such as respect, acceptance, empathy, kindness, and support, to name but a few, which are ultimately expressed towards both oneself and others, equally extending towards all sentient beings alike and upon which all the apparent various versions and extremes thereof are fundamentally based. How well said is that? (laughs) Um, Texter writes, I said love is unconditional. Maybe that just does not exist in a woman's eyes. I would like to think so. The price I pay for having a good heart. But let's be real here. When we talk about unconditional love, you cannot look for the love that you got from your parent, uh, which a parent loves a child unconditionally or should. Uh, You can't expect that kind of love from your partner. It's because it can't be, it can't be without conditions. It, because it would mean that no matter what you did, no matter how badly you behaved in the relationship, no matter how badly you, you'd screw up or whatever, that your partner would continue loving you. But love erodes when these things erode, when trust erodes, when um, admiration erodes, when, when all these other things erode. So yeah, we have to be careful that we don't idealize it. And I think I like what the other text wrote about idealizing it to the degree that we are looking for that same kind of love we got from mom. 
Um, it's just not, that's just not uh, realistic. So in, uh, there's a, 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 psych, a, a neuroscience, a neuroscientist by the name of Dr. Helen Fisher, who did some great work in terms of looking at the, uh, the science of love. And what she says is that millions of years ago, we evolved three basic drives. We evolved the sex drive, romantic love, and attachment to um, a long-term partner. And then went on to study it using fMRI brain scans, basically. And she was able to break down love into three different processes. Lust, we've talked about last year, attraction, and attachment and related those to the chemistry in our brain. Now we've talked about other psychologists have looked, like I said, looked at, you know, the, uh, the, the passion, the lust, uh, the, um, the attraction, which could be maybe part of the commitment and the attachment or rather the attachment is the commitment. The attraction is the, the passion. Uh, so maybe looking at it, uh, slightly differently. Uh, but, uh, talking about how in the first stages of love, we get a huge surge of androgens and estrogens, uh, in order to kickstart love. So just looking for love is our, 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 the, these hormones in us, the, the, the male hormones, the female hormones, um, which push us to seek out a, uh, a significant other. And it's what fuels the sex drive. It's what gets out, gets us out there looking for, uh, for a partner. The attraction stage is what causes people who are love struck, let's just say, to become fixated on a certain person. And here there's surging levels of adrenaline, um, which, uh, it's like a stress response, right? It is like a results in a, in a stress response because it's that beginning, you know, at the beginning when you're kind of nervous, when you're with a, a, a person that you f- like feel hugely lustful for or attraction to, or what have you, uh, there are spikes of dopamine, which causes uh, some euphoria, uh, like a high in the brain, uh, sometimes intrusive thoughts, uh, are happening there because there's a lowering of, uh, serotonin. So there's all kinds of, uh, all kinds of neurotransmitters at play here, uh, in that, in the whole evolution of love in the attachment phase, you're talking more about the oxytocin and the bonding hormones and, and all of these other things. So it's a fascinating study to look at, uh, what love is rather than just looking at, you know, what's portrayed in, in, in the movies, but there's the, the whole neuroscience to it. There's the whole psychological side to it. Uh, to me, it's a fascinating thing. It really, uh, really truly is. And hopefully we'll be, you know, spending more time talking about love and relationships and long-term relationships in in the weeks to come. So I'm excited, uh, excited to do that with you. Thank you so much for uh, spending your time with me. Really appreciate it. Thanks to our technical producer, Chris, tonight. And uh, if you want to connect with me on social media, you could do that at Dr. Lori Betito, B-E-T-I-T-O, whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or on Twitter. Uh, also on my website, drlori.com. If you have questions you want answered, send them to me via email. 
during the week. That's uh, that's perfectly fine. Just make sure to tune in. Also, if you if you've missed some past shows, if you go to my website and click on the Passion uh, Passion Radio, you'll get all the past shows that you can download as podcasts as well and listen to them um, in your own uh, on your own time. Coming up next here on CJD, we've got the CTV National News for you. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.